Welcome to Afterthoughts, where I pursue the realities in Christianity through God's Word and different conversations. It is my confident belief that our views shape the way we live, so having views grounded in reality is super important. At the end of it all, it is my heart's deepest desire that you and myself would be seeking peace and joy in what Christ Jesus has done. Welcome back to The Conversation, everybody. It's your boy, Martin Trumbull, back at it again with another episode. And uh, once again, as normal, we have uh, Jason Pettis here. Hello. And Caleb Bulo. Good afternoon. Prayer, the subject of prayer. What have you been thinking about, Caleb? Caleb, you shared, you were, I wait called you the other day because I was had a life midlife crisis as normally goes, and then I called, wait, what do you mean? I said, wait a minute. I think you're old I, enough to have a midlife crisis, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I called Caleb with a, I guess not a midlife crisis because I am not, in fact, in my midlife stage, as uh, you pointed out, Jason. Um, you just had uh, a crumble crisis. I just, yeah, I just had a Trumbull crisis. Um, and what were we, I don't, what were we, I think we were talking about girls or something stupid like that. And uh, you were telling me about all the stuff you were learning about prayer. And uh, literally, it, I don't know, it solved all my issues. Um, what was that again, if you're still thinking about that? what Tell us about uh, your uh, recent developing thoughts on the subject. Boy. Or I should say most people that I've talked to in memory are always saying we could always pray more. Um, and I think what you were talking about is like, there's an obstacle that uh, you had with like in your praying and then you had, I don't know, figured something out or a different way to look at it and it made it easier or something. So right? you're kind of looking, what? you're kind of looking for us to maybe share some of the things that we've learned about prayer over the years, maybe go that direction. Recently, we're talking about some of the things that I've learned recently. So we want to start there type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, trying to remember what it was. I don't think I learned it very well. <laughs> I think it was. Oh, oh, dear. You were so excited about it, too. How long just, ago was this? Earlier this like week. a week ago. Was it a week ago? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember how to phrase it or what it was. Because I think it was what we ask for and... <clears throat> You know, sometimes we got that mentality that when we're praying, we need to uh, be on our knees and begging and beseeching God to answer a prayer. So, and I think I was thinking hmm. the context of when I would be uh, doing something, say like, if you're going to do some kind of outreach or I think in my case, I was thinking about uh, when I was up at the, at Fargo and we had that youth conference a while back when you know, just before I get up and share, it'd be the tendency then is you want to, uh, you want God to work, you want people's lives to be changed. And so then you feel like you need to be on your knees before the Lord and be praying and beseeching that he would work and trying to, I don't know, I don't know what it's like for you, but for me, it's like trying to humble myself, trying to get in the right attitude, trying to have the right kind of faith, trying, basically trying to persuade God to answer my prayer. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess what I realized is that it's, 
if if I feel like I have to persuade God to do what I'm asking him to do, that seems to come from a uh, I, uh, an attitude that he just might not answer this prayer. I don't, you know, I don't think he's going to answer this one, so I have to persuade him to answer it. So basically it comes from not believing that he's going to answer it. And as I got to thinking about that, I thought, you know, if, if I don't really think he's going to do this, then why am I, why am I doing it? Why am I asking him to do it? You know, why am I, if I, if I don't think he's going to bless my teaching while I'm up at the youth mm. conference, then why am I teaching at youth conference? I mean, why not yeah. go do something that I know that the Lord will bless? And so then I, uh, one of the things I learned at the youth conference was what I need to do is evaluate the situation, you know, like step back and, and just lay the cards out. So here we've got this thing that we want to see accomplished. We want to see people encouraged through the word of God. And the other thing that we've got is we've got me as the one doing the talking. And then we've got the Bible and the passage there. And there's lots of good material in the Bible. And there's people out there that are interested in learning. And then you got me. And it seemed like there was a gap then in, say, my ability to encourage other people, which was I, the way I see it. It's like there's there's no way that I can encourage people in their hearts like the Spirit of God can. I just, I can't do it. And mm-hmm. so there's big gap, something that I can't do. And so you just lay that out before Lord. Here we, here's what we got to work with, Lord. You got me, you've got your word of God, and you've got people who are interested to work or people who are interested to learn. Uh, encourage your hearts. Uh, make the word of God come alive. You know, let your spirit be at work and encourage them and build them up. And it seemed like a reasonable thing to ask for because that's, I, I figured that's what he wanted to see happen. So just kind of turn it over to him and, and, uh, I didn't feel like I needed to beg for him to do it because I felt like, well, that's kind of what he wants to do anyhow. So just ask him to do that. And, and, uh, and so I've been kind of a, taking that kind of an honest approach, just seeing what we have to work with and what is lacking and ask the Lord to provide what's lacking and then watching him work. And it's been kind of an, it's been really neat to see, um, uh, I don't know. Is that, I think that's what we were talking about. Yep. It was, that makes sense. And I think, I mean, is that clear? Like I'm trying to, trying to explain what I've been going through, but I don't know how, how to explain it so that uh, it seems different for what I used to do or what I, way I used to view it or way some, you know, the way we tend to view it, you know, it's basically exactly like what the Lord says, you know, ask in faith and believing and, and God will answer. Yeah. Yeah, I what, think it makes sense. Like, uh, So what you're saying is, um, and well, it, it connects with me because I do, like you, like we find ourselves praying for stuff and asking the Lord for stuff that we don't really know that he'll answer. In fact, we like maybe think for some reason, um, be, and, and the way I think about it is, well, I'm looking at it from my perspective, which is not God's perspective. So it's little. And, and so it's like, there might be a really good reason why I shouldn't get what I'm asking for. And so, and, and that's my, more often than not, that's my attitude. And so I go into prayer with that attitude of, I'm probably not going to get this, but I might as well just ask. And I'm not, but I'm not believing because I think 
you know, there's probably a good reason. What do I know? There's probably a re- like a reason I shouldn't get what I'm asking. But if you, but you, you, you pointed out a flaw with that, like with, uh, with youth, uh, youth conference and speaking there, it's like, well, if that's really how the situation is objectively, then why are you even speaking? And I think that translates into other things too. Um, right. Like even right. with Bible studies and stuff, like I've had that experience, like, um, with, you know, Bible study and I'm thinking about starting uh, a group for like people my age here where I'm from and the same kind of things like, I don't really like, what do I know? I'm young. I'm t- like, uh, and I, and I want to ask God for things, but in my heart, I kind of don't feel like I'll get those things. But then why am I even, you know, why would I even try? But I still want to try. And I, and like with the Bible study stuff, we obviously, we study the scriptures and with relationships, like we obviously persevere, but um, so that, that fear we have really doesn't make any sense. Um, and then going, so going to the, the Lord in, in good faith that, you know, um, if it's something within his will, um, then yes, like ask him for it. Like, uh, I, I think when we talked on, when we talked about this for the first time, you said you brought up the scripture where the Lord says, like, how many of you earthly fathers, um, want to give good gifts to your, your earthly children. Like if, if one of your children comes to you and asks you for, you know, a piece of bread, will you give them a rock, you know, or like a snake or something like that? Like, no, like you guys, if you guys know how to bless your children, um, uh, so does God, like God knows how to bless his children and, and he wants to, and he longs to, um, I think that was you, right? Who brought that up or maybe I'm getting that from something else. Anyway, yeah, I mean, the, the point stands. That, whatever. Yeah. The point is good yeah yeah what do you think jason um yeah well i mean just to be really transparent prayer is probably like the most for me it's the most difficult part of trying to live out my faith i'm really a terrible prayer uh something that resonated to me with uh with, with me about what caleb was saying was it's sort of trying to cut through some of the pretenses and some of the expectations and like some of the ceremony around it. And you just like coming to the Lord. It's almost the way that you described it, Caleb, it almost feels like you're you're surrendering to the Lord. Like, look, Hey, what do you want to have happen here? I mean, and I'm laying it like explicitly laying down. I have some stuff that I would like to have happen, but I don't know if that aligns with what you want. I don't want to just get down to the basics of what do you want? And, and then please, do that uh i mean there's i don't know there, there's, when you're saying it there's there's something that sounds really good about that really transparent there's also maybe something that's missing from it when i think about some you know people who labor in prayer you know <laughs> that's that seems a little bit and and i don't know would you say caleb that the idea of laboring is in prayer is antithetical to what you're saying or not it does seem like it i don't know how that laboring in prayer works. I know that there's people that do labor in prayer and effectively, and there's people that pray for a long time asking the Lord to work in a person's life. Um, And that might be a little bit different aspect of it now that I think about it. When you're asking God to work in somebody's life, you can't expect him to uh, magically transform them and do 180 on them because that would violate their free will or what, you know, their choices. Mm. And so his work in their life is going to be over a long period of time, uh, like a constant pressure, you know, gentle pressure from the Lord or calling from the Lord to turn them towards himself. Mm -hmm. And so I can see where you would labor over prayer 
uh, for a long period of time in a situation like that. And I guess... It, and, and Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just throw in, I mean, yeah, and uh, in case someone, you know, any listeners were thinking like, is, is laboring in prayer a thing? And it's like, uh, I was thinking of this dude in Colossians 4, Epaphras, uh, says, Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. So, I mean, and like you said, Caleb, there's, you hear about these people who, you know, spend so much time in prayer. And you, and uh, I remember um, an older brother, he's passed away now, Frank Brown, and when he'd see you on Sunday morning, he would be like, like look in the eye and like, oh, how's it going? How is this going? And how is that going? And all of the things like that maybe you had brought up in prayer meeting or brought up in conversation, like he remembered those things and probably wrote them down and spent a ton of time praying about them. And so they've been on his mind, like more than it was on my mind and it was my problem. And I was super <laughs> humbled by that example of these, you know, prayer warriors. It's a word that maybe gets overused, but it, man, the people who are, authentic prayer warriors that's a that's an amazing thing and, and and awesome yeah and i'm not mm-hmm. there yet i mean to be honest it's being a fervent and long uh persistent in prayer uh yeah i'm not i haven't learned that part yet mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the things about prayer that i've noticed is that it is a, lear- a learning process that yeah you know, i have to learn what the lord wants and, and, and what that means is I need to learn what is good, you know, because that's what the Lord wants is what's good for me and good for, mm. you know, the people around me. So I have to learn mm, what is good. That's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. That's tricky though, because, um, oftentimes, <laughs> yeah, what is good and to right. think that God only wants good for me, but yet some of the things he wants for me that are good, don't feel good or look good at all. You know, yeah, and like, one of the um, correct correcting error in our lives is very painful often. So and one of the, one yeah, of the um, uh, examples that, of things that I've learned regarding good is uh, years back, um, my wife had some bouts with thyroid cancer, and mm. there was one situation. I mean, throughout the throughout the period of cancer, when we were dealing with it, it wasn't tra- it wasn't particularly traumatic for us. We were you know, resting in the Lord, we had full confidence that he would take care of us and so forth. So it wasn't traumatic for us, uh, except for one point. And we were going to see a doctor for an appointment and he was, we were expecting him to recommend the standard procedure with some kind of a radioactive iodine, which we didn't want to do because of uh, the age of the children. I think we had Titus was a little baby, and so radioactive iodine would interrupt the nursing schedule and so forth. But anyhow, we didn't we didn't want to do the radioactive iodine, but we were pretty sure that he was going to recommend that. So I remember walking into his office uh, as I got out of the car, headed into the the clinic, feeling um like really stressed out about the whole thing, and really uptight and nervous, and just like totally felt like I was falling apart. And I remember thinking, like, where did this come from? Why is it so traumatic right at this moment? Because up until now, it's been, it's not been traumatic. And all of a sudden, I just, I've lost all peace. I'm just totally shaken up. Where did the Lord go? And that was when I realized that through a whole period of time that we'd been going through this cancer treatment, that the Lord had been with us and he'd been providing comfort and strength and 
giving us peace during the whole process. And then uh, to wrap up the story, then when we walked in the clinic and we talked to the doctor and kind of explained the situation to him, he's like, oh yeah, we can't do the, that treatment now at this point in time. We'll, we'll save that for later. And <laughs> I realized mm. the Lord's comfort wasn't with us because we didn't need it. We weren't going to go through a hard time. Mm. It was going to go the way we had hoped. But that was when I realized the good thing in that situation was the Lord's comfort. And that's changed the way I pray when people are going through hard times. Uh, hard times are going to come. But if you have mm -hmm. the Lord's comfort while you're going through it, it's, mm -hmm. it's bearable. And, and it's even, I mean, you even can turn out for good. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What are some more good things that we should pray for? You know, cause like, obviously like, I don't know. He says, ask and, and you'll receive and all this stuff. Um, what are things that are within his will to pray for? The comfort in, in suffering is definitely a good one. Um, but what are other things that like he's promised to um, provide? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like some people are probably praying for stuff that like is not in his will and they're wondering, why the heck am I not getting it? And it's like, well, he never promised to give you that. And you know what I mean? Right. Trying to find. I'm, I'm, tell a little, I'm going to tell a quick story about that while you're thinking about that, Caleb, because I had a guy I was hanging out with and he was like really young in the faith and didn't have a, a, a Christian background or whatever. And probably part of the reason that he was started to got, get interested in uh, Christian things was because he, he got caught as a drug mule and he was going to go to court. And um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I we were just talking about this stuff and he says, I'm really having a hard time with prayer. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, I'm just gonna, I'm afraid to ask God that I won't go to jail because what if I ask him and then I go anyway? And I was, it was really struck me like how his, his understanding of how that works, like what prayer is, is like, I mean, you're talking to a person who may or may not you know, grant what you're asking, right? You're not, it's not like a slot machine and it's not up to your faith necessarily whether what you pray for is going to happen or not. It's mm -hmm. like he, you may like really sincerely with full faith ask for a thing and he may say no because the best thing for you is to do this thing. And, for, and, and I just told him, it's like, look, you, you can pray for things, but God never promised he's going to answer every prayer with a yes and he never promised you that you won't go to jail. You, mm -hmm. you like, you probably will go to jail for this. And that doesn't mean that God has abandoned you or anything like that. And right. and then you start going into like, so what God probably wants is for you to go through this well. And then we, we talked mm. about Joseph and spending his time in prison. And right. I, yep. I don't know if that was encouraging to him, but it was just, it was really surprising to me, his perspective that it was almost like, like God was a slot machine, but he was afraid to pull the handle in case he didn't get the jackpot. And then, the whole Christian thing was gone. It was was would be worthless, you know. Would be a big blow to his faith if if it didn't come through. And I thought, man, wow, that's really a different, uh, an, an, sorry, an incorrect attitude toward yeah. the prayer. And it really is the yeah. opposite of what I think Caleb is describing. The funny yeah. thing is that I can totally identify with him because that's that has long been my attitude of being a little bit afraid yeah. to ask God for something because I 
And sometimes like I've asked God for something in the past and he just doesn't answer or doesn't give me what I'm looking for. Or at least I've got that kind of a memory in the background. And so I can totally identify where he comes from actually. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it kind of reminds me too of like when I was a, when I was younger and I'd steal something from my parents or I'd do something that they, you know, that was wrong. And, and then, you know, I'd get, you know, you get, I'd get spankings for that. Like my parents disciplined us like that. And so I would like pray that I'd be like, God, I'll like commit my life to you. I'll do it. Just don't let me get a spank. Like, I don't know, make them forget <laughs> or something. And I'd pray these earnest prayers of like, don't let me get the punishment for my actions. And I'll mm-hmm. do like, I want to strike a deal. Like I'll do this for you or I'll do that. And, and I think maybe that attitude g- grows up with us beyond like, beyond just like the, the simple thing of like praying for, uh, you know, a, con- a simple consequence like spanking. Like we take that into like our more adult things. Like, uh, Lord, I'm I, I'm asleep around because that's fun. But please, like, take away all consequences of it. Like, make me have a healthy marriage later on in life. And like, I just like I really want a healthy marriage. I want my kids to turn out great. Um, and like, uh, let me let me find the one. But I don't want to date right. I'm not willing to date right. But take away the consequences of my actions, please. And like, uh, like I'll strike a deal and I'll do something for you over here if you let me get away with this over here. Like, I don't know. That seems to be a, a thing too. And, you know, beyond just dating too, I think j- mistakes in general, we like want to avoid the consequences of. I, 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 th- I think that's know? exactly what Caleb was starting off with. I mean, you put it in childish terms, so it makes it a little bit funny. But mm-hmm. it's the same thing that Caleb started with when he was like, okay, God, what do I got to do? Do I get, like, get on my knees to mm-hmm. get to persuade yep. you to do the thing that I want to do? If I, mm-hmm. if I ask you 150 times, like, what yeah. do we have to exchange? What deal of piety do I have to make to mm-hmm. get you to do what I want? Right and uh, you know and what Caleb was described was just a grown up version of uh, here let's make a deal <laughs> spanking yeah. avoidance mechanism and yeah, uh, to, and to realize like I mean what what go ahead well yeah. and no. go ahead um I, and I was gonna say too I think me I guess I picked up on that attitude not in, only in my prayer life but like within like my relationship with God in general um but pre-saved by the way. So I wasn't even, I didn't really have a relationship with God, but I picked up on them. Like, that's not really a right attitude. Like if I, I will reap what I sow. And so I reap to the flesh, I will sow to the flesh. And so I'm not going to like pray for God to take away something that he didn't, you know, and I figured that out pretty early, like when I was a younger teenager. Um, And so I just accepted, I was like, well, okay, if I'm going to sin in this way, then I have to be able to accept the consequence. And as a, you know, younger teenage guy, I was like, okay, I can accept that consequence. So but then later on, when I did like start to pursue the Lord um, honestly and fully, I found that attitude, at least of fear, like stayed, you know, like the the attitude mm. of, I want to like, I know I can't strike a deal with God. I know that's not how this works. And, but I'm still scared that he won't listen to me. Like mm. the, the fear yeah. from that, that, that way of thinking in the past that I left behind, like the way of thinking I left behind, but the fear that came with it stayed and so I think that's also maybe what you were describing, Caleb, where you're like, you're asking for things that are actually good now. Like they're within his will, right. but that fear um, from, you know, praying for things that weren't in his will stayed with you. And so now you have to struggle with that. And well, you were saying you, you found a way out of it. It's like, well, that fear doesn't make sense if it's within his will. And that's something you got to learn. Is that kind of, what do you think of that, Caleb? Does that make sense to what you were saying? Yeah. I, too? Uh, as, as far as what, can you hear me? Yeah. 
Okay. But yeah, as far as that uh, difference of attitude, uh, I don't know that I found a way out of it as much as I've learned a couple little lessons <laughs> that helped me to see from things, see things from a different perspective. I mean, it's, it's such a learning process. It's, it's like watching my kids learn how to interact with me. You know, and they, if they come up and ask for some ice cream and maybe I bought the ice cream for them so that they could eat it and they come up, dad, can I have some ice cream? Can you please, please give me some ice cream, dad? I'm going to, I mean, you know, they, they get that whiny tone or something like that. It's kind of like, you know, I don't even want to give you, I quit it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the ice cream for you. If you want ice cream, just come up and ask for it. Hey, Dad, can I have some ice cream? Yeah, sure. You know what? So that was, one of the, that was one of the other things I had to learn is that sometimes I came up to God and I had this whiny attitude. Like um, like I felt like I ought to have it because I was entitled to it, but he might not give it to I don't know. It just, it just like just something I noticed was a whiny attitude. And I was like, this is probably not going to fly. <laughs> That's interesting. Going back to your mm. question then about the good things to ask for. Yep, yep. I was um, just going to ask again. Oh, great. I should have waited. Um, no, you good. That was, a, that was a big thing in my uh, growth and learning how to pray. I, I started looking at the, the prayer that the Lord taught the disciples and just analyzing each phrase. And I took the attitude that the Lord was teaching his disciples what he wanted them to ask from the Father. And so I thought, well, if I, you know, if I want to know what God wants, I guess it would be in this prayer. And I don't know, we could go through it phrase by phrase. I can give you kind of an abbreviated uh, uh, yeah. explanation of each point if you wanted to. Sure. Um, I'm looking at You also Luke did a podcast 11. on it too. Yeah, I did. That was, and I don't know how good that was because yeah. that was a few years ago. <laughs> uh, I remember loving it when you like got done with it. What was the name again? Just so if everyone, anyone is interested, they can go look for it. It's on Spotify. Did I put it on Clearwaters um, or Clearing the Muddy Waters? I, I'm not sure. I'm I not listened sure on it. Spotify, I know. I'd have to go oh, back. Oh, you're saying it. not your website. Like That's the Spotify, Clearing the Muddy Waters? Yeah, I use that Spotify channel called Clearing the Muddy Waters, perhaps. I'll verify it. Uh, you said Luke 11? Luke 11 is where the Lord's Prayer is at that I would be uh, going through right now. Anyhow. Oh, there it is. Yep, I found it. Yeah, if uh, you guys can look up um, just Caleb Bulow. He's the uh, author. Or Clearing the Muddied Waters is the title too. You'll find it if you look. And uh, yeah, it uh, looks like a one, two, um, three, four, five six seven part podcast on uh the um the lord's prayer verse by verse it looks like so yeah you know when i looked at it from that perspective i you know you look at that first line of the lord's prayer is our father which art in heaven and it it struck me like this is how god wants me to address him as father not he's not asking me to address him as almighty god or all holy god or holy one above all you know whatever but father and the connotation of father, I realized that, you know, now that I have kids, a good father wants his kids to have a better life than he did. I mean, that's what we're constantly working with our kids to teach them to avoid the mistakes that we made and to pursue the opportunities that maybe we failed to pursue or at least to begin pursuing them earlier than when we did. 
you're looking for a better life. So that idea of God mm-hmm. as a father and his intent for us to have a good life. Uh, he, but the difference between God as father and me as father is that God is in heaven and his resources are unlimited, whereas I'm really limited in what I can do for my kids type of thing. So that was, and and you imagine then coming to God with that kind of a mind frame. I'm coming to my father and he wants the best of life for me and he has unlimited resources. I mean, <laughs> kind of it can have a bit of an impact on how you approach God, you know, just because of mm. who he is. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I can keep on going. I guess if you have anything to say, just yeah. interrupt me, cut me short or something. Cause otherwise I'll just talk until my throat gets raw. I, I, I'd want to reaffirm. I mean, I think uh, I was looking at the verse um, a while ago where it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling and trying to think about what does that mean exactly? And the, in the studying of that, the conclusion I came to is the primary relationship between a believer and God is he is our father. Like that is the hmm. primarily emphasized relationship uh, in that thing, hmm. in that relationship. So to, to, to think about who is God first, he's my father, is uh, is right on. And I just amening what, what you're saying about that perspective on that. That's quite amazing when you think about it. You know, that, that that's the relationship he wants and he wants us to assume. Yes. So the <clears throat> the first line then in the prayer is, hallowed be your name. And I <laughs> I think that's a request. I don't think that's just a statement. And it's it's interesting to me that he says, well, the first thing you need to ask for is that God's name would be hallowed or made holy. And I I take that to mean that to me it should be holy. And and so I think what he's saying is that I need to know who God is, that he is that he is absolutely holy and that he's he's not like me and also that he's completely righteous. There's no hint of any sin or guile in him. And I think hmm. and if why I is that important? Because if I knew that, I would trust him wholeheartedly. Like, mm. what, what would I be concerned about? And, and what I'm thinking about is like Abraham, God told Abraham, now I know that you fear me. And I think that that fear is in that, that has the same sense that now Abraham had God holy in his mind. And God's statement that came when Abraham was willing to offer up his son on the altar just because God asked him to. Abraham, at that point in his life, he completely trusted God and was not afraid of what was going to happen if he offered his son up on the altar. The, the, it's, just, it's incredible. And I think if, if God's name was hallowed in my life, in my mind, I would have that hmm. same confidence in God. And obviously I don't. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not there, so I need to keep asking for it. And I need to ask for it every day. Right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then your kingdom come. Uh, I don't know. I've learned some stuff about the kingdom probably since I've done that podcast. But, uh, you know, a kingdom is the, the sense that God is ruling over you and you're a servant. And so obviously we need to be praying that God would establish his kingdom in our hearts so that we're willing servants of his 
uh, what I've learned since probably that podcast is the essence of that kingdom and what it means to live life in that kingdom. And it's in Romans 14 where Paul says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, if it's like the God's intent in his kingdom is that his subjects will, in their hearts at the core of their being, will have that righteousness and will have that peace and rest in him and joy the rejoicing and what he has done for you. And I think, you know, we talk about the American dream being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, the the gifts of the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. And if you can have those things residing in your heart, in your mind, as you're going through life, you know, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You you can have you right. can be struggling with thyroid cancer, but if you have joy and peace and that righteousness there, then life is good. Yeah, and um, I think that's worth re- reiterating too, because a, a lot of times um, people I don't know some of my friends will say something's going on and they're like I hate this I hate my life, and I'm like uh, it, it doesn't it sounds to me more like they don't hate circumstance they hate the feeling the circumstance brings like the, right. the, the feeling of frustration when you have this one friend that nags you enough and and uh, like nags you about doing stuff and and maybe we don't have the confidence or the con competence to say no so when they you know beg us for stuff since we can't say no it makes us uncomfortable because we don't like to say no and so we, we don't like the feeling of discomfort see if i was good at saying no um then it wouldn't bother me and it wouldn't be an uncomfortable situation and so what that says to that circumstance is if I have peace and if I have joy and the spirit working in my heart through every circumstance, then the circumstances aren't so, like as bad anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so what I find is that I need God to establish that, that aspect of the kingdom or that kingdom in me, you know, to have, I'd like, mm. how am I going to live if I don't have, the righteousness, joy, and peace of the spirit inside. This life is going to be miserable. So it, this is definitely something that's worth asking for on a daily basis. And then, of course, after that comes your will. You know, may your will be done. And his will, if you go to Romans 8, 28, and 29, uh, and do a little thinking about what he's talking about there, his will is that we become like the Lord Jesus all of our unrighteousness be removed and we be made into good people like the Lord Jesus. That's definitely worth asking for each day. And it's necessary to ask for each day because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a bit of a process. So your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, usually when I, when I'm praying this, uh, a lot of times I just apply it directly to myself. Like I need God's will to be done in my life so that he would, transform me and you know through the and keep me through the day and walking and direct me in the ways of the lord jesus Hmm. the next one is give us day by day our daily bread and i think this is a also critical because it's easy for us uh particularly in america to forget that god give provides all our needs you know we we look to our paycheck we look to the refrigerator we look to the the grocery market for our needs, you know, the thrift store or what have you. 
but I remember when I was in college, uh, I'd saved up a lot of money before I went to college, and so I had a pretty good sized bank account. It was a pretty, it was pretty incredible to me, and it was pretty scary to see how fast that money disappeared. And I realized really quick <laughs> that if the Lord doesn't provide for your needs, I, I mean, He can wipe out your bank account and. <laughs> way less time than it took to build it up. And that it's God's intent in our walk with him is that we de- that we are dependent on him. We're looking to him to provide what mm-hmm. we need. It's not mm-hmm. a sign of weakness for me to see that I have a need and then turn to God. And sometimes I feel like, doesn't God ever get tired of me asking him to provide this and to give me that and to help me out with, you know, can't I ever just stand up on my own two feet? And But no, it's, I think if you look carefully through scripture, you'll see that like even from creation, God set it up to where humans are intended to be dependent upon God. We can't survive on our own. We need, uh, just the way he created us, we need air, we need water, and we need food. All of those things come from outside of us. We are dependent on things outside of us. And and he wants us to learn that we are dependent upon him. Hmm. I think uh, forgive us our sins is talking in a relational type of way, like we will do our own thing, and that can cause a bit of a uh, fogginess in our relationship with God or sometimes what seems like a distance in our relationship with God. And and then also, to be honest, like if we're if we're really open and honest about who we are like we are even as believers we are at least i am a re- <laughs> i used to say a sinner before god but the other day i was thinking about it and i was like i'm actually a rebellious sinner which means it's not that i just fall into <laughs> sin so but i'm worse yeah I, I didn't like saying that i told the lord too i was like i don't like the sound of that even though i know it's true because <laughs> i see myself doing it but that's who i am even as a Christian, there's still that rebellious sin inside of me. I need God to show me mercy today because I am a rebellious sinner. And yes, my sins are forgiven by Christ on the cross, but you know, to walk close with him and to enjoy his fellowship, I need him to forgive my sins so that I can walk Mm. close to him. Mm. And then, and he tells us that he will forgive our sins just as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And so it's, it's important for me to take what I've been shown, the forgiveness, and also to show it to others. He's not going to forgive me if I'm holding grudges against other people. And that's, that is, if you go in Matthew, when he gets done teaching the disciples his prayer, he actually goes back to that point and expounds on it a little bit. That is actually pretty important that we are willing to forgive people around us. And then the last one, Last part is, do not lead us in a temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I don't think he's talking about being tempted into sin as much as he is uh, the evil one using situations or circumstances to trip us up in our faith. So this would be an example of that guy, you know, like, if the Lord doesn't, uh, if the Lord doesn't answer my prayer, then I'm going to lose my faith type of mentality. But mm. where I link this to in the podcast is, the Lord was pr- telling the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, pray that you enter not into temptation. And the disciples were falling asleep. They had no idea 
that coming up the road with a bunch of torches, it was a bunch of soldiers coming to arrest Christ. Uh, if they had known, they would have probably been a little more fervent in prayer. And had they been more fervent in prayer, they may have found that same peace that the Lord had received from the hand of the angel. And they may not have run away from the Lord at that time. But as it was, they did not pray. Mm -hmm. And when this time of trial and temptation came to them that the enemy was bringing, they faltered in their faith and they turned and ran. And so I think, I mean, I, I look at my life and I'm like, well, I don't see any devil around me right now. I don't know what's around the corner. And this is probably something that's pretty important to pray that the Lord would not lead us into temptation. And the interesting thing is if you look back on the disciples, in, particularly in John, he tells them uh, not to be afraid and, and to trust in him. He basically, he gives them, he gave them everything that they needed to endure that time of temptation. But because they weren't expecting it, they didn't really pay any attention and they... Uh, they turned and ran. Hmm. So that one there, you know, again, I feel like that's really important to be praying regularly. And that's, these are all things that the Lord wants us and he instructs us. He calls us to pray these things as we come before the Father. Good stuff. Y'all, if you want to hear um, that again in a little bit more detail too, uh, once again, check out his podcast that he did on it. Um, Clearing the Muddied Waters um, by Caleb Bulow. And yeah, super good. That had a big impact because no. it it began to teach me the kind of things that God was looking for, that he wanted to do, that he wanted to accomplish. And, and once I yeah. began to learn that thing, then it seemed like the Lord would add more things to, you know, it's, it's a... It really, I mean, the Christian life is a life. Uh, it's not uh, a program where you just download the right That's program true. and all of a sudden you hit uh, uh, holiness. Yeah. It's Yeah. That's true. Sometimes it feels that way. It can look that way based on how it's presented. But yeah. That's kind of motivating too to hear like, oh, that's what he wants me to pray for. I find those are all things kind of like you've been saying as you've been walking us through it. Like those are all things that we, I want, you know, and maybe yeah. I don't know I want it until I hear it that way. Right. Like that makes a lot of sense. That would be so right. good. Like I would like to have his peace and joy and presence in the midst of all my circumstances. Um, that can be kind of a blanket cliche statement, but man, that would be such a good thing to have like I, I want that and then like he's like growing like I want to be a better person I want to be more more like the Lord Jesus I want to be more selfless and kind and 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 loving and to pray that he would like grow that in me um that would be so so good and I think it's and important it may, it may be important to recognize at least anyhow that it, it wasn't like I studied this out and I saw these things and I'm like, okay, now I know how to pray. And I just start praying these things with all a clear understanding and, and all of a sudden mm. everything just changed hundred percent. It wasn't, there, there's, I know these things are good uh, and I've had to learn how to ask for them. Uh, say if I'm asking for, you know, the peace that passes understanding and mm. I'm going through this troublesome time. So I got this problem that popped crops up and I'm like, Lord, you know, how come this problem is here? You know, why aren't, why aren't you giving me peace? I need you to give me peace. You know, 
I talk about a whiner, man, if my kid asked me like that. <laughs> so I've, I've had to learn how to ask, you know, to have that confidence of, Lord, here's the situation. And I mean, there's no way that I, I mean, I just, I'm so troubled about this kind of thing. And it's, it's not good because I'm not trusting in you, but that it's here that it is. And I'm, I'm bringing it before you and, and looking for, and asking that you would give me the peace as I, and learning how to ask. It's, I don't think we realize how much we learn how to interact, you know, as children, as we're growing up and learning how to interact with our parents and so forth. But there's, you learn a lot of what your parents appreciate uh, when you come up in the right way or when you, you know, you might give them a gift and they might not appreciate it much, but then you might give them a gift with a different attitude and then they really appreciate it. You know, you, you learn what they appreciate and what they don't appreciate. And the thing with parents, though, is that we recognize that we're selfish. And so sometimes the things that I want, it's just because, you know, I, I like things that way. God's not selfish. When he's looking for somebody to approach him in the right way, he's looking for somebody to approach him with honesty uh, mm. and not that selfish, entitled attitude. He doesn't like entitled <laughs> attitude. I can tell you, I learned that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get prayers answered when you're coming entitled. <laughs> so true. <laughs> That's worth stating again. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you got you to realize, you know, I had to realize like, you know, I'm a sinner and there's no reason God is under no obligation to give me anything I ask for because of who I am as a sinner. But because yeah. he's a merciful and gracious God, he delights to give me these things that I ask for. And, and it, yeah, I feel like when you're coming at it from that attitude, that's, that's kind of like, man, that's wonderful. Like that he shouldn't do that, but he does. It's crazy. Like, how does that? Hmm. Yeah, man. And that honesty too. I know, um, I can have a problem with posing sometimes. Mm -hmm. like, Actually, I'm, I, I recant that. Not really a lot. When I'm alone with the Lord, I don't really pose because I, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, he knows everything. Why would I right. try to pose? And so I just like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. I don't like, this is probably not right, but I'm just going to lay it all out there. But um, I guess it's I've easy. had conversation. It's easy yeah. to be a poser. Well, actually for me, it's hard, but I've talked to, I was going to say, I talked to people who, who say that they have that issue with posing and, and pretending like using, choosing these certain words that they think like God will listen to them. Nope, like nope. they have to talk this way or, or I totally or I think what happens them. is that was, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> man. I, I, to be honest, I don't understand that because I, why would like, it takes so much effort to pretend to be something you're not, especially with God in the back of my mind. I just know he knows me anyway. So I, you know, um, and well, I guess a side effect to that view that I have is when I don't pray, I do not pray, you know, cause I can't oh, pose. It's like in the back right. of my head, it's like, I know he, 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 you know, he knows who I am anyway. So if I'm not going to pray, I'm just, I'm just going to not draw near to the Lord. I'm just going to not pray at all. I'm just going to avoid it. I'm, you know, put my radio on in the car all the time or listen to music. I'm not going to have a moment's space because I know that I'm going to have to be honest and I don't really want to be honest. So that's See, kind I of told you I, was I have. I got the Pharisee tendency. I'll, I'll pose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't, but, but yeah, I hear a lot of people say that. And, and I think sometimes the reason for that too can be because when you're, you know, at, at church camp and at church and stuff, you hear these people praying these prayers and they sound really yep. good. And so, and, yep. and like, I, I've noticed one thing, how you open your prayer is I've noticed a lot of, it depends on who you hang out with. There's some people who say, dear heavenly father, I noticed that like people's kids will open with that. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you're in a people, a church group who, you know, however people like, dear God, um, people who use that phrase, like it catches people imitate what they hear other people doing. And I think that can leak into your personal prayer life too, where you hear, you imitate what you've heard other people doing. So you're posing in a subtle form and, and, and the harsh reality is it's more than posing. You're not being honest with God. And so you, you suffer the consequences of that. The relationship doesn't go any deeper. Um, cause where there's not honesty, there's not really much intimacy. I don't think, um, I'm not saying that as somebody who's honest all the time. I, my problem is I just run, you know, it's like, if I can't be honest, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to run the other direction entirely. But yeah. Interesting. Man. I don't know yeah. if I've Jason, done as do much think? running. <laughs> That's good. It's all good stuff. I'm enjoying the, the listening part on this one. It's good stuff. <laughs> Let's go. And um, there was, uh, I wanted to ask one more question and then we should wrap it up. Um, um, so how do we know, like, what does, what good does prayer do? Like, how does that work? How does asking for something affect what actually happens? Like, can we change, like, how do we, do we change God's mind? Is praying, like, if we ask for something, is God going to do something that he otherwise wouldn't if we hadn't asked, but then like God is sovereign and he knows everything. So isn't, isn't what he wants to happen. Isn't that going to happen anyway? Um, how, like, do you understand the, like, how does that all play work together? How does praying helpful? How does that work? We were just looking at this topic in our Bible study the other, about about a week ago, I think we were looking at revelation chapter five. And if you want to hear, uh, some good thoughts on this, I think, uh, Dr. Gooding has a good, explanation of it anyhow but um anyhow in revelation 5 you have the throne and then with that though that god is sitting on and then around the throne it says there's 24 other thrones and in those thrones are 24 elders and i i think that the passage makes clear that those elders are people Uh, they're not angels or some kind of living creature they're actually just people so the question that was raised is, are those thrones real thrones or are they just filled with a bunch of yes men? So whatever God decrees, they just say yes. And of course, we believe that they would be real thrones because God's not the God that, he's not the type of God who would put up some kind of facade. What he puts up, that's the way things really are. He's not, he's open. And so if those are real thrones, then that means... When God makes a decree, before that decree goes out from the throne room, it has to pass by these 24 thrones as if these 24 elders examine God's decree and they either add to it or take from it or comment on it or whatever before the decree goes out. And so the point that comes out of, the, out of Revelation 5 is that God in his sovereignty has determined to set up his administration in such a way so that there's these 24 elders that examine his every decree before it goes out. 
I mean, yeah, and being that he's sovereign, he can set up his administration any way he wants to. If he wants to have 24 elders uh, con contemplate his decrees before they go out, he can do it that way. And it appears that that's how he set it up. So taking that idea then that God allows these elders then to affect his decrees, it's interesting to look back through the Old Testament and see how many times that's actually true. Uh, if you go into Zedekiah chapter 3. Uh, Zedekiah? Yeah. <laughs> it's a I don't prophet. I have ever heard of that. If you go to Matthew, which is a lot easier to find, and then turn back a few pages, you'll land in Zedekiah. And... Uh, Zedekiah in chapter. Well, maybe it's. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe it's oh, Zechariah. Zephaniah or Zechariah? It's Zechariah. My bad. Yeah, I was like, I've never heard that before. <laughs> Who's Zedekiah? And Zedekiah must be some king or something. He was like one of the last kings of Judah. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, he, he did his. He, he did not go well. So, chapter three, there's a vision that Zechariah is seen and it's uh, it concerns Joshua the high priest and he's standing before the Lord and he's covered with filthy garments and it says in verse 4 that he that is the one sitting on the throne I think or maybe the angel let's see what is it yeah the Lord standing before him the Lord answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying take away the filthy garments from him and to Joshua he said see I have removed your iniquity from you I will clothe you with rich robes and I said, that would be Zechariah, I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him. This is an example then of a decree coming out from God and it was modified by Zechariah. He said, yeah, clean clothes is good, but let's add a clean turban as well. And hmm. also, if you go back to Exodus, at the time when the Israelites had worshipped the golden calf, uh, God told Moses, get out of my way. I'm going to destroy the people of Israel. And Moses said, no, you can't do that. And it says that God changed directions and he didn't do what he said he was going to do. So I think the point I'm getting at is that God in his sovereignty, he's absolute sovereign. He can do things any way he wants to. He has determined that he is going to make people into a, a kings and priests. And so that... Mm -hmm. He, he has determined that he is going to allow our, I don't know, requests or choices or whatever affect how he uh, moves. Hmm. So yes, prayer does have a real impact on God and will affect what he does. I 100% agree. I, I think, I don't think there's anything f like super weird about what, uh, how do you say that? There, there isn't any weird interpretation of that Moses example. I think it's like the Lord was going to do a thing and Moses said, please don't. And here's some reasons why. And God changed his mind. Okay. And I think God, God did a different thing because Moses asked him to. And I think we have the same thing. And I, and I think getting back to the, the kingdom thing, I mean, the Lord put this the world under man's dominion. In a sense, he puts him in the Garden of Eden and says, okay, this whole thing is, is, is yours. Like, let's make something awesome out of this place. What do you think? I, start, I got it started. There's gold over here and we got a garden here, but there's mountains over here and there's a whole ocean. Like, what do you think we should do? And maybe mm -hmm. it starts with like uh, Adam's like, 
I think it'd be cool to have a little walkway around this thing. And the Lord's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. But that wasn't God's idea or God's sovereign will to have a walkway in that particular pot part. That's God's partnering with Adam to 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 make something. And so that to extrapolate that into our lives today, I think it's really true. It's like God sitting up in heaven is like, so Jason, what do you want to do with your life today? And maybe I'll sit down and pray. I was like, hey, Lord, let's work in this person's life. Would you please work in this person's life? It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Mm. And I mean, he's working right. in that person's life anyway, but I think he's going to do different stuff or more stuff. And I think, I mean, this is a very grave thing, but I think the extrapolation of that is uh, we can alter the eternal destiny of people by the choices we make today. We don't control it, but we can influence it. And I think that's true. Mm, that's really encouraging to hear. Well, any final remarks from either of you besides that? Just a Exodus 32 is that story about Moses. And I mean, the verse literally says, so the Lord relented from the harm, which he said he would do to his people. I mean, it's, there's not very many ways you can interpret that. I mean, it's pretty. <laughs> no, I mean, the only other, I mean, I've heard of things like, well, you know, the Lord said he was going to do it or whatever. It's like, so he was being slightly dishonest. Like, no, no, the Lord right. was going to do what he said he was going to do. And then he relented. It's not of, possible it's, for God I think to it's lie. super straightforward. Yeah. Yep. Not possible for yeah. him to lie. And I think, man, the, the other thing, uh, in Isaiah 66, God is talking about who he looks upon. And he says that he will look on those who are of a humble and contrite heart. And I think he's talking about humble before him. In other words, these people have the attitude that what God says is true and it's something to abide by. And there's no questions asked once, you know, like God's word is God is and absolutely authority and significant and his word is equally so like they have that kind of a humble heart and an humble attitude and i think that's one of the biggest things or one of the things that i have to learn in prayer is how to be humble in heart before him instead of thinking i'm somebody bigger than what i actually am and i have a lot to learn can't think of it all right well good stuff guys I think that's going to do it for, for this week's episode. Um, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening and we hope this has been helpful. Um, and I'll be praying specifically for everyone um, that the Lord would be working in all of our hearts to continue to reveal himself to us in a way that makes mm. sense to us mm. um, and inspire and cultivate a love towards him. And mm. uh, yeah, we will catch you guys next week. So see ya. <laughs>